They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. Do you have any idea what, do you have any idea what we were saying? Something to do. I, I was meditating. Offensive. I hope it wasn't offensive. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, yeah, what were we saying? I have no idea. We could have been good, just cursing We at thought you. it was goat yoga. Goat we yoga. Were, we weren't sure. Why did we pick goat yoga? I forget. Well, we have a very special guest there. Yeah. Lisa Nekrasen. Uh-huh. You know what she does? Goat yoga. Goat yoga. <laughs> You're you good. Go. You are good. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two, not Dose. one, but two, usually pieces of life-changing advice, and we try and just put that in a 30-minute bucket. That's right. A bucket of coolness. Well, you know we have a sponsor for this episode? We do. We do. Who is it? It's Susie's Swirl. Susie's Swirl. High-quality frozen yogurt, sorbet, and gelato with craveable, bold, and fun flavors only. Susie Swirl. Boom. <laughs> I don't think they have that in their market yet, but they, they should. should. They should. They should. It's from our friend uh, Kathleen Wood, who always talks about you know selling frozen desserts in the frozen tundra of Chicago, and yet people crave it. They still come out and get it. It's Why amazing. Not? It's yeah. amazing. Listen, Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer oh, and their yeah. fight for fighting, uh, finding and funding treatment for kids who have run out of options. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to check out what they do, please go online, cannibalkidscancer.org. And listen, if you like the show, and we certainly hope that you do, yep. take a moment, if you would, just give us a, a five-star rating and yeah. even better, a little bit of a written review. Believe Ooh. it or not, means a lot to us because that, nice. that, that influences people to take a look at the show and then we can give more money to Cannibal Kids Cancer. That's how that works. Get creative. Get yeah. creative with something. Yeah. Write a word like, Young gay kyo, where we don't know what it is. Gyo, whatever we were Whatever saying. it was. Please, somebody tell us in Japanese that we weren't <laughs> yes, cussing at yes. you. Listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets, we like to yep. say, of wisdom that could really amp up and change your life, mm-hmm. those are super hard to come by, Truth. which is why, honestly, it doesn't even matter what you're doing right now. Nope. I bet you're listening to the show, but you could yep. also be doing a couple other things. Sure. You could be... I don't know, playing with a slinky. Slinky, slinky. It's Maybe, such a wonderful toy. I don't know, you could be skimming off the top of a shared bank account with your spouse. <laughs> it was a mistake. Maybe you're trying to explain the Kelvin universe to a non-Trekkie. Uh, Doesn't <laughs> matter to us. We just wouldn't be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Let's do this. Zip. Bubble. Our guest today is our dear friend and former hard rocker, Lisa Nekrasen, who is now an environmental activist. She's a wildlife conservatist, and she's a sustainability strategist. So, boy, that, that's hard to say. Lisa, first and foremost, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. Aw, thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Us too. Uh, truth be told, Lisa is a part of our Bookstar PR company, which is our book marketing mm-hmm. business. And uh, sometimes we get to see her in the office, but uh, today she's working from a distance. She couldn't even be in the studio today, Brant. Oh, you know, no. You know, oh. I'm going to say this about Lisa. <laughs> you should. I, Don't hold back. Do you, and this is going <laughs> to, this is going to sound like, this is going to sound weird, but, but uh, just stay with me through this. Uh oh. You remember those Jimmy Dean sausage commercials yeah. that were on TV mm-hmm. where there was a guy in a giant, um, like, like a, a sun outfit and he would come out in the morning because when you oh, get yeah. in the morning for breakfast, you'd uh-huh. have your Jimmy Dean sausage. Is that Lisa? That's what I feel like every time she comes Aww. to the office is like a giant ball of sunshine just walks Whoa. in. I, I mean that. I, Who I honest, knew where that was going to go? I mean, she is... The Jimmy Dean sausage sun <laughs> that comes into our office and just shines wow. a light on everything. And I, I mean that wow. with, my, with my whole heart. I did not see that well, coming. I didn't see that coming either. We started I can with be Jimmy sweet. Dean sausage. I didn't know where this was going. <laughs> yes. I'm going to take the sunshine. Listen, I can it's be sweet. Bread. 
Yes. <laughs> once not, a year. I'm not always salty. <laughs> once the year. Also, once a year. It's also sweet. Uh, we love that. That is fantastic. So, I don't know if I should be scared now. Yes. Who knows? Yeah. He's throwing, he's throwing our game off. We're, we're not used to this. This is a kind of <laughs> brand. What's happening? So also known as Callie, Lisa began her journey in the entrepreneurial world as a model in the surfing industry and as a backup vocalist in a rock band, both of which led to her journey working in extreme sports and music mm -hmm. and entertainment. Um, she's got like 30 plus years of industry experience and six certifications in sustainability, permaculture, meditation, and yoga. And she has now developed uh, conservation and wellness initiatives for iconic brands like Hard Rock International, which is where Lisa and I met. We mm -hmm. worked together. Also, Surf Expo and Full Sail University. Mm -hmm. And uh, today she works with her local marine science center and planning boards rescuing or at least releasing sea turtles and manatees, which is awesome. Love all of your photos that we see on social um, she can also be found regularly on a farm playing with goats and llamas while facilitating yoga and meditation classes. I have to quantify. She's actually teaching yoga classes. <laughs> I love it. God, Lisa, I am uh, sorry. I did not approve of this at intro all. when he wrote yes. it. Because if I would have seen, she spends a lot of She can be found regularly on a farm playing with goats and, and llamas. And done. We could have stopped right there. That should have been your whole intro. Plays yes. with goats. Goats and llamas. <laughs> Done. That should be oh, on the for her. But honestly, beyond even all the great philanthropic initiatives that uh, she does, she is, like we said, our community manager for our sister brand, Bookstar PR. Yes. And she really helps connect authors with the podcast that help these authors extend their book's reach. So, you know, it was just so much fun working with her in the past and working with her now. And she's got a great soul and heart. And I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And I know we already welcomed you, but this is a great honor for us to have you on the show. And an honor for me, guys. I know we're going to have a lot of fun today. And that was a great, um, I think you just set the tone. So I got, I got sunshine from brands and then and a goats little and llamas from me so you guys roles. that was great yeah so how long does it take for a goat to be able to do a full split oh, <laughs> and, and does a goat get into downward dog or does it how, get into is downward, it downward goat, downward I mean, goat. It's little it's kind of downward goat it really you know? is yeah. And that's the name of the farmer that started this. It's like Downward Goat. That's her brand. Oh, actually, that's pretty we'll good. plug for her. I love that's that. That's pretty good. That's going in the show notes. We actually should go out to the farm with her. We should. To one of these yoga classes. I want to see all these goats do the yoga is what I want to see. Like, <laughs> it's pretty cute. I've tried yoga. It's pretty yoga darn cute. In full, in full uh, you know, transparency, I tried yoga once <laughs> in a class. And an old man in that class had a bodily function happen in the middle of the class. <laughs> mm. Which I, happens. And I am, I am too much of a juvenile to allow that to happen and not have anybody acknowledge that. And no one acknowledged it, and it was the end for me. That was it. You I became dead. like a piece of bacon on the floor, just sizzling from trying not to laugh in that moment. And finally, it was like, all right, sir, you're excused from this class. Oh, my and God. That, and that was it. It and was over. Went back. Yeah, I never. Well, well I was never invited great. back. <laughs> well, the farm. Do you know that we literally get peed and pooped on? The goats really, truly have no sphincter muscle control, so they literally just let it go everywhere. And so if, if it happens twice in a class to one person, we suggest a lotto ticket, but they do go home with some goat soap, usually, that's made by the farmer. Well, when you so put you it like that. It, that. it would be perfect for you. Oh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> She's I, talking about the goats and lions. Like, this, this took a hard left turn to the goat sphincter muscle. That, like, I didn't never, I did not think that that was gonna be part of this podcast. But now we know. Listen, yeah. it's not the goats' fault. They don't have the ability to control their. And I'm gonna have yes. so much fun putting that in the show notes as well. <laughs> goat sphincter. Muscle. Yes. Can you hyperlink ghost uh, goat sphincter? Oh, it's going in. That's it's a great band in. name right there. Uh, so, there you go, Lisa. Next, you next you know the deal with us. We uh, we <laughs> contrary to so far how this episode has started. We uh, we tend to get right to the heart of the awesomeness. <laughs> 
of what our audience is looking forward to. So we're just going to leave the floor open to you. Honestly, what is your awesome thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. So my awesome thought that rocks came from my spiritual guru, mentor, um, and and truly guru, Ma Jaya Sati Bhagavati. She teaches us to look at the world through the eyes of the heart. Mm. And to me, that has saved me in so many situations, professionally and otherwise. And I feel like if I can do that, whether it's in my philanthropic work, whether I'm working with you... Anytime that I can shift my, my focus from the head to the heart and really look outward from that position, I feel like I'm, I'm going to, I can't fail. What, and say it again. It was look through, look at the world through the eyes of the through heart. The eyes of the heart. So what does that yep. mean? What does that mean to you? So it's funny because there's, there's actually a mantra um, and a mudra that I do with it. And it literally takes this mudra from the eye to the heart. And then you do this kind of pivot um it's actually a yoga movement and a full body mudra hmm. but um but What's I a, think what is a mudra since a i have mudra is like yoga for the hands so you can literally wow. make a mudra like this and okay. go from the eye to the heart gotcha um but for me the essence is about getting out of your own way uh getting out of your ego's way or the ego thought the ego mind and um truly living more like an emp- empath and, you know, approaching anything that I'm doing from the space of the heart. I love that. I think it's so, you know, the work that I do around values and those sorts of things, I feel like one of the challenges that I have, especially when I first start working with someone is moving their values from their head to their heart, right? So the values should live in the heart, but for the most of the part, um, they don't get there, right? They, they stay swirling around our head with the other 30 or 40 things that are incredibly important at any given moment. And so I love this because ideally what I do, what it means to me to look at the world through the eyes of the heart are, are through those values that live in your heart, that, that, that very fabric of who you are, uh, what makes you you, and um, as opposed to allowing so so i think that there's a there there could be a tendency with this when people think heart they think emotions right because um yes. uh, but but in fact it it's not <laughs> right i mean if you allow the emotions to take over then you're actually not looking at it through the eyes of the heart you're looking at it through the eyes of the craziness of changing emotions um which can That's lead right. to, to more chaos and and uh, the inability to focus on those things that matter most to you but i i just love this um i did do you feel like it that that is sort of when we look through the eyes of the heart we're looking through the things that we hold most dear absolutely and i love that you mentioned the crazy emotion because truly if you're you know if, if you're really in your heart space it requires a relaxed presence but there is a time when bringing that emotion into it and, and activism, especially environmentally and otherwise, which obviously I do a lot of work in, you kind of have to be able to channel that, that energy. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I really like that you're talking about core values because that should also st- be your rudder, you know, your steer from, from which you're, you're looking from the heart. So absolutely. In fact, it's tough when you're going through core values because um, in your head, there's this idea of what should be your value or what should be or what you want to be your value and how you lead. But but the core and the essence of who you are and how you look at the world and how you navigate really does come from the heart center. I think you started uh, saying that you've used this um, in every aspect of life, personal, professional. Um, how has this concept, this, this mantra, this mudra, if you will, how has it really changed your life? Like, can you point to specific areas that you can go, oh, yeah, by me thinking about this, making this a part of you, the essence of who Lisa is, how has this really changed your life? Well, it changed my life at Hard Rock Gym when I luckily had a boss that was so open to me saying, listen, we're saying that our values as a brand are to, um, you know, humanity is instrumental, save the planet. 
but we don't have a proper recycling program in our cafes or we're not making these things accessible in Europe and other places. So he let me put together, it wasn't part of my job description, but we made it part of as I was redoing the SOP manuals. Um, he let me take on uh, this consumption reduction initiative and, and launch it globally. And it, it, it did fit in within the project development department and the facilities um, asset management. So from a professional perspective, it, it allowed me to take that passion, align with the core values and, and vision and mission statements of the brand, and bring it all together in a way that... Um, we could all walk the talk together, mm -hmm. right? And we were able to, it's still in effect today, you know, 16 years later, uh, awesome. Ed was actually in Europe and sent me pictures of the, remember those big poster boards that we built oh, with yeah. Electra and made the icon. She was a little controversial, she was a little <laughs> sexy, you know, that would, to me that was on target with brand. But, um, but it, it saved the company millions of dollars by now, but it sure. also aligned that, um, that principal core value of mine with the brand and, and made it very accessible. So I was able to do that at full sale with a, a wellness initiative. Um, I think it also helps people, you know, my, my colleagues, my peers see that you can bring your passion to your work and make those things align. It, may, it gave me so much meaning and purpose in a job that you remember, Jim, I, I had no facilities background. Mm -hmm. I came in as a temp and I just really aligned with that department and loved it and thought, wow, I really can make a difference here. I can, I can make this part of what my core values are and I can even reinvent myself in this mm -hmm. position. So it was great. Love it. So I guess my question would be, what is your advice? So, so, how we access that ability, um, I would argue for yourself, you would say it's through more spiritual practices of meditation or, or yoga or ho however you would choose to access those things. How, do, you know, my, so my question is this, how do you get somebody like me <laughs> to, to who, who doesn't like meditation to me, I'm, I'm 30 seconds in and I'm ready to just, I'm out, right? I can't, my, it's the ADD or whatever. I just, I can't be quiet for that long in silence. It just, it, it, I can't. Um, so how, you how, can. You I, can. I probably could. Um, I just don't want to. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you encourage people to, to get to that point where, listen, if you, if everything is chaos around you, this idea of being able to see through the eyes of the heart is, is a far, it's a reach, right. To get there. Right. Um, so how do you encourage people to start on this journey of maybe quieting your life down a little bit enough to access those things? Ah, love this question so much, Brand. And you are a deeply spiritual person. So I, if I have to connect with you on this one thing. When you said I can't, I, I have been with you at lunch and we said a prayer. I know that you're a prayerful person. Mm -hmm. So when, when we're praying, we're speaking to God. When we're meditating, we're listening. So it's just a totally, it's reframing your, your thought process about um, meditation. For me, it was really hard too. You know, I had to work and practice at this. Um, the, the ego gets in the way of thinking: Am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? My my my, my streams of consciousness still still coming in. Now I'm thinking about the laundry. You know, all these things. So my guru taught me in the beginning: Start with three minutes. Give yourself three minutes to just sit and breathe. And if all you can do is think about. Um, right now, I'm breathing in, mm -hmm. and right now, I'm exhaling. And now I'm going to think about a thought cloud and I'm going to put that thought on a cloud and I'm going to let it pass by and I'm going to start to create space in between each thought cloud. And so now I'm going to be looking for that space in, in between the thoughts. And, and so you can't do it wrong and everybody can do it, but it is kind of like it, you have to practice. It is an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to get there. For, for my friends who are very spiritual, I do like to say, let's just shift from thanking God or, or, or speaking to him and sitting in a, a place of, of listening, just listening. So I will tell you that my, I've had a recent experience 
with the as close as I've ever been to trying to meditate. Um, and I found it very interesting. Uh, and it was about uh, uh, when you have a really bad headache and you want the headache to go away. Okay. And so I, I read this um, article about how to get rid of a headache without taking ibuprofen or you want it to go it's so bad that like you don't you don't want to wait that time um that's right for the meds to kick in and so it it was what i would consider a form of meditation which was sitting there and you had to ask your you listen to this uh recording of a man asking three questions which was where is the headache what color is the headache what shape is the headache Hmm. and then you would stop for a minute and it would say, where is the headache? What color is the headache? What shape is the headache? And for two minutes, you just answer those questions over and over and over again. And the weird thing is it, it begins to change. Hmm. When you start to picture it in your brain, you start, it starts to move. It starts to change color. It starts to change shape. And at the end of two minutes, the headache was gone. And I was a wow. little freaked. That's I was awesome. a little freaked out That's by awesome. it because it was just the craziest thing. To, I mean, it was, it, you know, you get that like the back of your head is just pounding, mm-hmm. pounding, pounding. And to be able to just answer questions and watch your brain sort of reset itself in that way, um, it really blew me away. And to be honest, open that door a crack to go, maybe, maybe I should try this a little bit more. If, if this is possible, then what could be possible? I had the same, oh but I took Tylenol rapid release. <laughs> same I took thing. Goodies two, powder. Three minutes. I snorted goodies gone. powder. Gone. Gone. gone like yeah, that. Two, three minutes. That was it. <laughs> two so two, oh li- gosh, two lines of goodies powder, and it was gone. Yeah, I snorted two lines of goodies. Jeez. Okay, that's where we're going. No, but truly, I love that you used that as an example. Um, we have another mudra in yoga where if you breathe exclusively through your right nostril, it's another thing. Like you just plug the left nostril. Yeah. This is a headache calmer. Yeah. So, or in the middle of the night, if you do alternate nostril breathing, it's an insomnia cure. Yeah. Um, I've watched, I've implemented them all in my life and watched it work. But what I love that you just demonstrated through those questions is that um, and I suffer from headaches. Yeah. So I know that sometimes when it comes on like a vengeance, you focus on the pain. Yeah. So if you're focused on the pain, you're only going to give energy and value to the pain. Whereas yeah. when you go into that question mode, it's great. So I have to share, you reminded me when you were explaining that when I'm going into this place of looking at the world through the eyes of the harder, if I'm going into a really stressful meeting or something is going on that I know I might get a little rattled, my question to myself repeatedly, same question over and over is just, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who am I? You know, that kind of thing. And it brings you back to like, okay, why, why am I here? I exist to serve why. And then I can go into, it only takes a couple of seconds, maybe a minute, to go into that process and that pause and that breathing and just reframing your mindset, it really helps that shift to go into a place of, even in a meeting, just speaking from your heart instead of from all of these things that we try and, oh, I got to remember to say this, I got to remember to say that, you know, and then that's where the rattling comes. Yeah. If you can calm down and trust that I know I'm going to say whatever is supposed to be said as long as I'm centered in who I am. I, I think that. that you you were saying something earlier too about I I think the the things that we learned at Hard Rock you know and again we had these words on the wall like love all serve all or take time to be kind or save the planet before the world was even using that as sort of this this popular mantra humanity is instrumental another one you said you know I think a lot of people don't think that that business and spirituality can work together. And I know that at least Isaac Tigret, for sure, one of the co-founders of Hard Rock, believed this so much so that we put these things up on the wall, not as like real cute things to, to sort of have there. They literally were the driving force for a lot of decisions that we made. And so I don't think people think of Hard Rock as a spiritual company, but I can tell you there was some spirituality that, that came through with anybody that was working for the brand. And the only reason I bring that up is we had a um, we've had a previous guest on the show, Tommy Spaulding, who wrote a book called Heart Led Leader. 
And when I first saw your, your the quote that you were using, you know, look at the world through the eyes of the heart. Every time I hear the word heart, I think of him because his whole book was about giving the world more love. And he literally uses the word love in just about everything that he does. He does get extremely emotional when he's on stage. He's a professional speaker and an author. But even more than that, I, you know, I've just witnessed him on a regular occasion making decisions, if it's the right one, through the heart and saying out loud to people, not just friends and family, but to business people. He signs all of his emails, I love you. And you just don't hear that very often. And I, maybe I took a little bit more of a granular, harder approach in looking at it and going, boy, what if, what, what would the world be like if more people did look at the world through the eyes of the heart? Like, what would that be like if there was more love in the world? You'd have less divisiveness and our political system would be totally different and you wouldn't have as many people that were just, you know, butting heads. Instead, they'd be doing things like what we learned, honestly, with the seven habits. And Lisa, you and I went through this before. You know, when you can think about seeking first to understand somebody, you get their perspective. Man, that 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 changes everything. You're more likely to be, and I've shared this with Brant, I am totally malleable. I, I am okay with being changed and having my mind changed. But the only way you ever get there is you gotta you gotta walk in their shoes, whether that's through cross training or some type of training to go, I get you, I see you. And when I get to that point, I understand your heart. And so I you know, I again I, I sort of throw this back to you just saying, you know, how how can you get this message out to more people of getting them to look at the world through the eyes of the heart? You know, maybe this will transition into what we're doing, but just sort of one last thing. What what would you sort of recommend to people who that's not their world? That's not how they think. It is very my way or the highway type of approach. Oh my gosh, that's a tough one, Jim. Um, I have to go back to what you just said about the whole I love you thing. That was very much the culture at Full Sail. Had my bosses telling me that I let mm. the president of the you know university will walk by and talk to a student and look them in the eye and hug them and I love you. And at first I was like, ugh. I'm not sure. I've never seen that in a professional world. And even though I'm a total lovey gushy person, I was like, is that, is that real? I don't know. But then I thought that I'm like, you know, I've been taught to love my neighbor from the, you know, I, I went to Catholic school. I've very dig about Catholic parents and, you know, been exposed to spirituality from a very young age. I also went through the process of, you know, shunning the Catholic, you know, there were things mm -hmm. that I didn't resonate with. So I called myself a recovering Catholic for a while. <laughs> but as I challenged all of those things, it really helped solidify that love my neighbor feeling so that I can honestly say, I love you to anyone and truly mean it. I know that you are my brother. You are my sister. I love you. No matter, you might be driving me crazy and I want to do this. What was that called? The face thing, the, the mongolushi. The, the I want to do a mongolushi thing on you, but I'm still going <laughs> to love you. Yes. And, um, and so if we can think about that, love thy neighbor, um, for, and you don't, you could be an atheist. You don't have to subscribe to any religion to truly ha live as an empath and, and loving your neighbor and just being a good person. I would encourage somebody to go to that place of love thy neighbor um, and just thinking of things in that way. And then the next thing I have to say that what has changed my life, even as a conservationist and, and somebody who's been really in touch with environmentalism at, from a very young age, I didn't spend the proper amount of time in nature to balance and offset how much time I spend working or in technology. Mm. And it's now a mandatory part of my day. I don't care if I'm just going on the balcony to look at the birds. I don't care if I'm walking down the street to just put my toes in the stand for five minutes. I've got five minutes to do that. Yeah. And in that space, I am transformed. I remember that I am the earth. I am from this place. And, and so whatever is bothering me, it's amazing how quickly nature transforms. I love so that. I do encourage anybody that has those crazy shift, you know, it's a hard to shift to looking at everything from the eyes of the heart. But if you can spend some time in nature, it really does make a difference. Well, you're definitely not speaking Brant's language because... <laughs> Workaholic over here stays Listen, aside all the time. I love nature, especially <laughs> at the Ritz Carlton. Um, yes. 
I find their patio has lots of nature. <laughs> yes. It's gorgeous. That's the only time you get outside. I'm not camping. Actually, the Ritz-Carlton here in Orlando, Grand Lakes, is no, man, that property is unbelievable. Mm. Their organic gardens, all the streams that Agreed. go through. They've got acreage and acreage of very landscaped, gorgeous nature. Yes. And I'm all about going that's to how they, time. That's how they got the me. They were like, come enjoy our nature <laughs> in a <laughs> In a bubble. <laughs> and I was like, yes. It's like a Gaylord property. As long as there's a That's big bubble it. over the top, then then he's fine. That's it. Does it frustrate you at all, Lisa, when you say I love you to somebody like, I don't know, like a co-host and they don't say it back? <laughs> mm-hmm. that, do you feel the same? But I know you love me. It's all good. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, all good. I love yeah. you, Grant. I love mm-hmm. you, Jim. And I mean he's it from poking. the depths of my soul. I do it. I let, do. let me share <laughs> our thoughts. Yes. Uh, with you. That's not an easy transition at all. No, it it isn't. And so, you know, when we were looking for something that um, was going to sort of be able to extend this conversation, um, it was, it's interesting to me that, that Gandhi is who, who came up. Right. And so it's very in line um, when I think of you. And so uh, as we sort of shift to our thought that rocks, it's this. Thoughts that rock. Number two. It is from Gandhi and it is, it is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And as I read that, you know, in my years of pastoring the church and before that being a worship leader, um, there was one pet peeve I had whenever I would visit another church. And it was if I felt like the worship team was giving a performance, mm. um, it, it really got under my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and unfortunately, the bigger the church, the bigger the production. You know, I was I still remember being at at this really large church in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I am uh, a guest there. I'm going to be performing there um, during the service, and there's probably seven thousand people in the audience. So, so it's a large church Very big, and, yeah. and I'm sitting at the sound booth and the service starts and the sound guy picks up a magazine and starts reading it. And I go, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like the, like the, the, the band's on stage. This is happening right now. He goes, Oh, we, we record all this during the week. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, the band is is staffed. They're full time. So we do all the pre-mixing. Everything has been done. So it's all programmed into the board. Hmm. And so it's already done. So there's nothing for me to do when the actual service starts. And my question was, this is my question. What if the spirit moves and they want to do an extra chorus? And he looked at me without missing a beat. And he goes, oh, the spirit doesn't move here. (laughs) Wow. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Whoa! Right? And so <laughs> it brings me hmm. to, yeah, there, there, I, uh, I think there's a book called Heart of the Artist um, that talks about the difference between, so, so no matter what, when you're out leading worship, it is a performance. But what makes it feel not like a performance is the position of your heart. And if your heart is in the right place, then, it, then it's worship and not worship performance but if it's not in the right place you're at a rock concert and it and it just feels gross to me to yeah. be in the presence of that i feel it's manipulative i feel like it's you know we're 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 just a little bit away from go to the back of the church and uh, sign up for my 12 week course it's only today at 999 it's like it's this just gross yeah. feeling that i get as opposed to Walking in, if you've ever been to a place of worship, no matter what your faith is, you, there are certain places you walk in and you just feel the presence of God, right? And, and, it's, and it's, it's overwhelming. The air is thick. It's hard to breathe a little bit. Um, you, your emotions are confused because you can't make sense of something that big, in, at least to me. That's my opinion. Um, but when you walk in and it's just like, you know, 
I don't know why I want to say Joni loves Chachi, but it's it's very like, hey, how you doing? Come on in, have mm-hmm. a seat. We're going to do this song here. Uh, you know, it's just, it feels bad. And when I look at this quote from Gandhi of this idea of, especially it's better in prayer, I think that's the key thing for me. It's better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. And that words without a heart is this is the guy at the booth setting this to go and he pushes play and he's like, my job is done. And it's like, no, it is not done. In fact, this is the time you should have your fingers on the board more than anything. Mm-hmm. How do you Amen, feel when, when it comes to seeing a quote like this, especially with what, you know, how you've been brought up and what you believe now and all the practices that you, that you have on a daily basis? Oh my gosh. I, I love it so much. I love that you chose this and, and, and how appropriate that it was Gandhi. Um, you know, my dad and I had some challenges about this because, you know, in Catholicism, we had to memorize prayers. We had to recite the Apostles' Creed. We, you know, and, and there's a lot of ritual that happens in the Catholic Church where you just have to say these words and you don't even know what you're saying half yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would used to get, and that's part of what drove me away is like the fundraising efforts and then the constant reciting where I felt like I was sometimes standing in a church of people that were like there to save face. And to just say the words because they memorized them, but they, there was no heart in it. Yeah. So for me, um, my daughter did go to Catholic school, Catholic high school, middle school and high school. And one of the, and, and I'm not, I was, you know, I was really conflicted about that, but she really wanted to go to this Catholic high school. So we made it happen. And I, what I did love is that there was one scripture at the entrance that you had to see every time you walked into the, or drove into the campus and left, walked in, whatever. And it said, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it, the essence of it is it's important to live the scriptures and when necessary, use words. Mm. So to me, that what that is the essence. Like your life should, wh- whether you believe in scripture, whether you subscribe to any religion or not, if you are living in alignment with um, your heart, which to me that's where spirit lives, then um, you don't need words. You yeah. really don't. And yeah. there's been times where, you know, I can remember having, we had to go to confession. We had to go to all these things. And I remember sitting, you know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned yeah. as I walked into the booth thinking, yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. And I, I literally said that. I, I'm just here because I'm here. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Can I just yeah. sit here in silence, you yeah. know? And the, the priest was really nice about that because sometimes he said, yeah, if you just want to be with God in silence. Yeah. And I think that's what opened the doors for, for me for meditation too, is because mm. it's like, yeah, I don't have to always speak. I can listen. Yeah. Or if my prayer today is just, thank you. I'm alive. Thank yeah. you. So I identify with this as well, but from a speaker standpoint, because we've talked about this, this uh, idea of edutainment, mm. right? So there's, there's, there's got to be some showmanship to some degree. I think where some speakers maybe in our world have gone too far that they're, they're all glitz and glamor and it's smoke and mirrors, but they don't have a lot of substance. There are others that um, very smart. Their content is fantastic, but they're not that exciting to listen to or to watch. And I think trying to find the balance and, and I use that only because we know I mean, this is what you and I try and do, but certainly there are people like we just had Clint Pulver on the show who, without saying a lot of words, this guy has a heart of gold and he, and he feel, you feel like you're connected with the guy. When that happens, I, I think you're willing to go on the journey with them. Like the, the content mm-hmm. is important. The, the message is important for sure. You don't want people pushing back from the table and going, oh, that was cool, but they got nothing out of it. But I think the ones that are truly making a difference and, and brand a lot of the stuff that you talk about truly is life-changing type mm-hmm. stuff. I think this is where you've got to have a little bit of that, that mentality, but you could do the same thing without using a lot of words. And sometimes you've used music or emotions or, you know, I've seen some great speakers and it's a fine line. Sometimes they want the group to be quiet or they've lowered their voice. They've changed their intonation just enough for people to go, Ooh, what's that about? Like it's storytelling. It's a moment. It's quiet. That, that subtlety is just as important as you bringing the thunder being loud and over the top and grandiose. And so it's just, it it reminds me of people that give 
um, to charity. You know, you could easily stand up and pound on your chest and go, look at what I just did and, and divulge not only who you're donating and how much it is, but the cooler thing would be, you know, keep yeah. your yaps shut. Who cares? Yeah. And just That's give. Right. And no one will ever see it and ever know. It's the equivalent of paying for the, the, the person in the back of the Starbucks line yeah, behind yeah. you. You're not going to be around. Yeah. You pay and you yeah. move on. You don't sit there and wait and watch them and be like, yeah. I, I just did that for you, right? It's the, right. it's, you know, every time Jesus performing a miracle saying, don't tell anybody about this, right? I mean, that's, that's literally sort of where, where that stems from. But I think, you know, going back to uh, what you said, Lisa, about, you know, especially in, in, in a faith uh, like the Catholic church um, or the Episcopal church, where there's a lot of mantras, there are a lot of memorization, um, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the, all, all these things that you're taught to memorize. Um, I've had to shift. So, so you know, as a young uh, child, it becomes, it, it is what it is, right? You memorize it because you're told to memorize it and you just do it. Um, and then I sort of had this whole time in my life where I was like, I, I want to reinterpret that for me. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need to decide what these things mean. And so the, the just, you know, blindly saying these things had no effect on me at all. And so, you know, you go the non-denominational route, a little more evangelical, uh, you know, a little more um, emotion, and you're bringing in all of the sort of things that you see in modern church. And as I've gotten older, I've gone the other direction back to truly appreciating if your heart, again, this is the position of the heart. If the heart's in the right place, when you are reciting these things, the unbelievable thing in my brain that happens is there, there's somebody 2000 years ago that was saying these exact words at the same, you know, in the same setting, in the same moment where it's like, it connects us to generations and generations and generations and generations of people and believers who, who just for, for some was all they had. Mm -hmm. Right. And when, and when people don't understand what it's like to, um, to believe in a faith that is not allowed um, in the area of which you are, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you you go over into Asia and you find Christians in China that have to meet in in these underground places, and and it's if they get caught, they get killed. That is a yeah. le- that is a level of um, of devotion that that gets overlooked here in in a place of abundance where you know if we don't like the pastor's tie, we can go 20 feet down the road to the next church and try, try it again. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. You don't have that. You don't have that in these other places. And so it, it's amazing to me. I come back to that position of the heart in taking something as simple as reciting words that you've recited your whole life and understanding that if your heart's in the right place, you feel that connection. You know, one of the things that, so I collect rosaries. Um, Jim and I are both, Jim and I are both wearing rosaries today. And it's because I gave Jim that it's, I make it a practice of collecting rosaries that, um, I know the backstory on. So for me, um, every rosary that I buy, I know where it comes from. And, and the one that, that Jim is actually wearing came from a woman, um, who prayed her husband through world war two, um, every single day of just saying the rosaries, going through this prayer after prayer, after prayer, I know, you know, for the, the hardcore Catholics, the fact that we're wearing rosaries really makes them mad because you're not supposed to be wearing a rosary in that way. Oh gosh. I was never told that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to wear a rosary. You're supposed to hold the rosary in your hand and you you go through the, our fathers and the, you know, and, and so it's like, but, but to me, the idea that I am wearing something that has been washed in prayer for decades and thousands and thousands and thousands of prayers have been put into these beads. Um, there's something so incredibly comforting, um, in that. And, and so for me, every time I, so I have a couple places that I know the people where, where they source these from either, uh, estates of nuns or, or other, other areas where I know what's happening. Um, I have, if you walked into my office, there are literally 
you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of rosary beads that are just hanging there. And whenever I mm. feel led, I grab one of these and I give it to the people to say, this is something that you need to carry you through this time right now. Um, just know that no matter what you believe, you are literally covered in prayer that, that has, that has gone on since before you were born. Um, and, and that to me is, it helps me. So every day I wear this, it helps me with the position of my heart. Um, it's like when I put it on, it, it is that through this heart, uh, I am going to try to put forth the best that I have to offer. Um, but I, I, it's incredible to me that just that little, that little switch can take something that's so mundane of reciting something that is boring and you're like, seriously, can we just get to the end where I drink the wine? Um, you know, we, we want to get to that point, um, where, we find meaning in it. And if your heart's yeah. in the right place, then you feel that connection that I believe is probably what meditation brings at its purest form, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You just triggered so many things in me with that story. You know, it's funny because I've always, I've, I've obviously gotten a lot of rosaries over the course of my life and it'd be either giving them away as gifts or, um, which I love the, the thought of what you have to give as a gift is just so powerful. But the only one that I've kept my whole life is a friend that traveled to Italy and went to, um, she had this rosary blessed by the Pope and mm -hmm. she was in in the service that he spoke and i'm just like there was something so like i get goosebumps even like talking about it because first of all she's a beautiful person but i didn't even know she had any kind of spiritual you know background mm -hmm. she certainly doesn't strike me as that person she's got a beautiful heart but i didn't yeah. think of her as like a subscribing to any kind of you know particular spirituality and so the fa fact that she and i was at kashi my ashram my most spiritual mm -hmm. place that i you know go to all the time and she happened to come to a retreat and she was like i was just in italy and i had to bring this for you i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> there is something so powerful i don't think i'll ever be able to give it as a gift because it feels yeah. like so blessed specifically for me and just owning it as such a, an honor and a gift. Yeah. Um, I had that same feeling though, Brant, when, um, when I was going through my like self exploration of, okay, if I'm not truly subscribing to Catholicism at this point, and I did study world religions in high school and college, uh, the first time I went to the ashram, I really didn't know much about the Hindu faith other than just the surface level stuff that I studied. Um, but I, all I knew was this ashram was an interfaith community. It celebrates all the religions of the world and whatever. And there's this huge Ganga pond where there's uh, Jesus in a bamboo garden opposite Jesus on the other side of um, the pond is Mary, then there's Buddha, then there the Tibetan Buddha, then there's Baba, there's all I mean, and so when you just the first time I walked out and saw this space, I was just so overcome with the emotion, and just feel feeling that authenticity that you're talking about, like the difference of being in a church that is uh, lip syncers, like mm -hmm. Jim talks about, mm -hmm. or one that is like truly enriched. But I walked into that temple and they were chanting just um, kind of like Krishna Das. In fact, Krishna Das has, has been in this, um, he, he and his, his guru and my Parama guru are the same. And so he has been in this ashram many times. And so I sat down and just, it was just a call and response of the same chant over and over again, but being in a room with people that are seeing it from the depths of their heart, meaning it, whether they even know the meaning of the Hindu words that they're saying, it's just the feeling that direct plug-in connection to your source whoever that is and whatever you call it. And that's when I was like, I just found my home. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a, a label of a religion, but I found where I plug in. And I do that in nature too. But whenever I step foot on that soil, I take my feet, my shoes off, my bare feet have to be in the sand because I feel <laughs> bathed, yes. just like you described the rosary, bathed in all of the prayer and love that came from the people before me, you know? Speaking of chance, she's going to love our intro to this episode. Yes. Wait, wait till you hear that. Uh -uh. I, I, and I don't do? know. I don't know if this is wrong or not, but um, I only wear the rosary when I know I'm going to be around Brant. Is that bad? <laughs> that's bad, right? <laughs> that's, that's, so a smart, that's a smart move. It is. Right? Right? <laughs> it is. 
you know, I will say this um, as we wrap up here. Um, speaking of people with a heart, you know, I, I have to say that Lisa Nakrasen has a heart of gold. I yeah. mean, one thing that you do, Lisa, I think that is tremendous. And you help our, our clients, our authors fall madly in love with Bookstar PRs. You spend really good quality time with them. I remember many a time that... Um, you know, we were we were just trying to make sure that we had really good volume of shows for people. And there were a couple that you listened to that said, I can't half-ass this. Like some of yeah. these shows, there's no way. I wouldn't send you and Brandt there. I don't want to send the authors there. And you, you sort of have that, that heart filter to make sure that it aligns with our values. And so, honestly, you've been such a great advocate, a great ambassador of Bookstar PR. And we can't imagine what that side of the business would be like without you. So... You know, just kudos to everything you're doing and, and don't stop, you know, keep, uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing, despite what Brant wants you to do. Listen, <laughs> listen, I'm sorry. What I, I love you guys. What I was going to finish with is this. Oh, it's like, gotta be positive. It, it is. is very positive. So there are certain people that you meet that, um, you know, they're, they're certain, uh, I'll, I'll specify this with women. They are, um, they're very pretty. They're mm -hmm. incredibly attractive. Thank you. Um, all, I said women. Sorry. But yes, that's fine. <laughs> and so there, there are certain people that they just strike you right away. You know, it's why I think why dating apps are so popular. You sort of look right away and you go, oh, that person's really pretty or they're attractive. And so yes or no. When, when you first meet Lisa, she is obviously an in, incredibly attractive woman, but mm -hmm. I, but I would always describe her as beautiful. And that's because it's more to me, something that's beautiful is more than surface, right? So there has to be the, it's the whole package. It's the, the, the ability to, to connect on a deeper level. It's, it's so many things wrapped into one. I, I hold that word beautiful um, mm -hmm. hostage a lot because I think it's overused, but you mm -hmm. are truly somebody who I think is absolutely beautiful in every way. Mm -hmm. Like Jimmy are. Dean sausage, like, sun beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like Jimmy Dean sausage, sun beautiful. Um, it is an absolute pleasure and a blessing to have you as part of this team. And um, you, you make us better in every way. That was really sweet. You got me all choked up. Thank you, Brand. And now I'm really scared. I really, we started and ended with this See? really beautiful sunshine. Exactly. Who is it. he? Who is he? <laughs> where, where, um, where, Lisa, can people stay in touch with you? I mean, especially all the activism that you're doing. I mean, just wonderful things in nature, but just in your life, where can they sort of check out the things that you're, you're working on? Aw, thank you, Jim. I um, truenaturecompanies.com is the name of the website. There's a um, Instagram feed at True Nature Companies. Um, I also have a, a Facebook page. I have to admit, I'm so bad with promoting my. I'll be happy to promote everybody else, but I rarely <laughs> ever promote myself in in that realm. I got to get better at that, but. Um, we did go on hiatus during the pandemic because most of the nature stuff that I do is in person. Now that things are getting a little bit safer, we will be having some more programming in the future. Um, I do have some free web um, meditations that are on the website that you could at least do in the interim, but um, certainly could connect with me through True Nature Companies just about anywhere. So thank you for, for asking. You got it. Well, we'll have all that stuff, obviously, in the show notes. We would encourage everybody to go and check it out. And I know that we'll see you whether it's here in the office or, or from a distance, but um, really thank you so much for just taking a little bit of time and sharing some words of advice. That means a you lot. Guys to are us. The best. That we was love so you. fun. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. It's an honor. You got it. We'll <laughs> talk to you soon. Rock All on. Right. Bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on! on.